Hi there, I'm Mikey. Hi, I'm Corey. And we're with the Retro Renegades Pop Culture Power Hour. And we are the official podcast partners of Grand Comic Fest. Grand Comic Fest is going on in Grand Island, Nebraska, April 21st through 23rd. Dude, I'm so excited for all the celebrities that they're going to have this year. They've got a great list of celebrities this year. Oh, yeah. And you know what? We're going to get to know those celebrities right here on this show. Yes, we are. So, we want to thank you guys for joining us. Please check out Grand Comic Fest on Facebook to get all the information. Or, you can check out the show notes. Get your tickets. Meet us in Grand Island. We'll be in Podcast Alley. But right now, we're going to get to know one of these great celebrity guests. Because we got to interview them. Yes, we did. So, please enjoy this show. And we'll see you in Grand Island. Grand Comic Fest. See you guys soon. Hey there, this is Mikey with the Retro Renegades Pop Culture Power Hour, and I'm bringing you the Grand Comic Fest Guest Spotlight Series. The purpose of this series is to introduce you to some of the great celebrity guests that are going to be attending Grand Comic Fest 5, April 21st through 23rd in Grand Island, Nebraska. You can jump on Facebook, search Grand Comic Fest, and get all the information you need on how to get your tickets and all the great events that will be going on this year at Grand Comic Fest 5. So without further ado, let's meet this episode's featured celebrity guest. Well, we're continuing the uh, guest spotlight series for Grand Comic Fest, and we've got a really great interview today for you. We've got Kathy Coleman. You might know her from Land of the Lost, but there's so much more that we're going to talk about today. So how are you doing today, Kathy? I'm doing really well, and I'm happy to be with you on this interview. Well, we're, we're happy to have you, and we're really looking forward to seeing you in Grand Island. Uh, I can't wait. We are we are all very excited about coming, so this ought to be a really fun show. Yeah, I, I think we're going to have a great time. Uh, now, Grand Comics we, Fest... We, we have some, a couple of surprises for you guys, too. Oh, really? Yes. Well, we are looking forward to that. <laughs> we really are looking forward to that. Uh, Grand Comic Fest 5 is April 21st through 23rd in Grand Island, Nebraska, and... A whole whole list of great celebrities, great activities going on, but we really want to get in and get to know you, Kathy. So, would you just kind of tell us how did you get your start in show business? What was your inspiration to get in and start working? Um, <laughs> yeah, we. I was born in Massachusetts, and when I was, you know, four, five years old. Uh, 
I used to always go to the beauty salon with my mother when she was getting her hair done, and I learned to have all kinds of conversations with adults there, all the women cackling, and I would jump in and talk and talk and talk, and all the women used to tell my mom, you need to get that kid into show business, and my mom thought, you know what, well, show business is on the West Coast in Hollywood, that's what her mindset was, and so she um, she just would laugh it off, and then about six months after, because I was still five years old when we moved to California, um, we wound up moving here, and uh, people started saying it again, and my mother got me an agent, and I started going on interviews, and uh, got my first job after a ton of interviews that I went on, because my mom... Like, she didn't really have a clear understanding of what the whole Hollywood scene was. So she thought they were looking for the next Shirley Temple. So she would send me out in party dresses and patent leather shoes and my hair all curled. And these these casting directors were looking for the girl next door. Oh, it, oh just a kid in a T-shirt and jeans and tennis shoes and... You know, they, they weren't looking for Shirley Temple types. And so my mom just had it a little backwards. But anyway, my first commercial that I did finally land was for a place called Shakey's Pizza. Mm-hmm. And they were looking for Goldilocks. Well, I can only imagine when I walked in, you know, on that interview that they must have just went, holy crap, man, that's Goldilocks. Because <laughs> that's how my mom had me dressed. So... Anyway, um, after I got that commercial, my agent told my mom, you know, you lucked out on that one, but from here on in, I want her in sweatshirts, you know, and jeans. And so my mom started doing that, and I started landing jobs frequently after that. So, so, so it, that's it. It was my mom. My mom is the one who did all the work. I didn't, like, have a dream to be in show business. That was never, like, something that at five years old that I said that. But, you know, if, the, if you have three kids in your family all sitting in front of a TV set and one of them is just sitting there watching intently and the other one's sort of watching and sort of taking notes, I would have been the one that was doing, like, handstands and jumping around. And, and you know, I, it's just my personality type was, you know, yeah, better fitting for the entertainment business and than like any of my other siblings so it's just how it was this is how yeah and so you you did a lot of commercial commercial acting as a young child and shaky's pizza being your first one right when you did quite a bit of of musical work as well is that correct well, yeah, when I was 10, I auditioned for the My Curb congregation and landed that one and wound up going on a two-year national tour with that band. And then uh, when I was home for a brief period of time, I got an audition for a show. And this is among a lot of different auditions I went on, but I got an audition for a show called Run, Joe, Run. And it was for one episode and about 150 girls went up on the first initial call. And then they narrowed it down. And by the time the callbacks came, it was down to two girls, myself and Christy McNichol. Oh, wow. Well, Christy McNichol wound up getting that, that 
episode, and I did not. And I was bummed because they had a German Shepherd in the in the show, and I, I would have loved to have had that role. But anyway, she got the part, and it and I think we the callback was like on a Monday, and it shot like on a Thursday or something. Well, had I got that one episode. I would have been filming on the day when I interviewed for Land of the Lost, and I would have never been able to audition for Land of the Lost. So, you know, 50, almost 50 years later, I'm still in the Land of the Lost whole, you know, world and uh, enjoying it. And I've had a wonderful life being a part of that show. I have a family, an additional family that, that came with that job. And, um, a lot of fun times and a lot of shows and been able to meet thousands upon thousands of fans that have been so nice and so kind. Um, so, yeah. And then the funniest thing is when when Land of the Lost aired, um, Run Joe Run came on right before it. Oh, wow. Here in L.A. at least. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyway, so, that's, okay. that's well, how you, that happened. You mentioned the Mike Curb congregation, mm-hmm. and I, I want to kind of give people an idea of what what that was, what it entailed. Because you you went on tour with them. Did you do any of the recording with them? Yes, I did. Okay, can you? I've got a list of people here that that you potentially recorded with, and it's it's impressive. I want people to get a scope of how big the Mike Curb congregation was because. When I interviewed with Wesley, he mentioned Mike Curb as well. He had interactions with Mike Curb. I know, and I didn't find that out until about three or four years ago. Oh, wow. I never knew that Wesley was working with Mike Curb. Because, see, Mike Curb, he used to be, like, the president of Capitol Records. Mm -hmm. Oh, he wasn't Capitol. He was um, MGM Records. And uh, then he became a politician and was lieutenant governor of california now he's back in the um the music business and as a matter of fact when i was at the airport in vegas i ran into this this musician and um i said you know just in in joking i said you know i was in a band too and he said really what band i said well, I'm not going to tell you because you, you probably never heard of it. You know, this was kind of like a long-haired rocker-looking guy. And he goes, no, tell me. I bet you I do. And so anyway, he finally convinced me to tell him what the name of the band was. And he said, I know who my curb is. And I said, you are the biggest liar. And he said, no. <laughs> he said, I'm not lying to you. He said, I play bass for Tim McGraw. And he said, Tim and... Faith are both under the Curb label. And I was like, oh my God, you really do know who I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So some of the names here that that people will recognize, and, and I know I was very impressed with some of these, you know, these names. The Osmond family. Mm-hmm. Roy Orbison. Yeah. Tony Bennett. Yeah. Mel Tillis. Sammy Davis Jr.? Mm-hmm. Candyman. So you, you sang backup vocals on probably one of his most recognizable songs. Well, Candyman I did, but mm-hmm. I did not ever wind up singing with Sammy. Okay. Uh, 
we did one album at um, right out in front. There's a a recording studio right out in front of Paramount um, on uh, Gower and Vine in Hollywood, and uh, that's where we uh, did the only album that I ever recorded, and um, with the band because I replaced. Um, do you remember a TV show called Apple's Way? I don't. Okay, there was a show on um, back in the 70s called Apple's Way, and Vince Van Patten, do you know who he is? Mm-hmm. Vince Van Patten was in it, and okay. then this other girl, um, Patty McCormick. Patty McCormick used to be with the bike curb, and I replaced her. Okay, okay. So she did some recordings prior to me joining, and then when I joined... Um, I did one album with them, um, and then uh, I had to quit myself because I got a series. Yeah, yeah, you you, uh, you got in Land of the Lost. You were in Adam 12 before that. Mm-hmm. And then Land of the Lost. Now, what what was it like getting this, this uh, spot on Land of the Lost? Because... As I understand it, you had to audition with Wesley a few times. Oh, I went on seven different callbacks for Land of the Lost. <laughs> I had to meet with everybody. They wanted to see if we, you know, um, what the uh, the dynamics were with all of us and if we, you know, got along and how we looked together, how we read together and, you know, to see if there was any chemistry there. So, um, and then we had interviews that I went on where, um, I met with the uh, like the heads of NBC and the producers, directors, all kinds of things. Even one time it was funny. Um, I walked into the office and Phil Paley was in there. Hmm. Well, I had worked with Phil prior to Land of the Lost on a Jesus commercial, and but even more so than that, I I hung out with him and I knew him. Um, but anyway, so, um, I walked in and I saw him in there and I said, what are you doing here? And he says, I'm auditioning for the part of this monkey on a show. And I said, really, what show? And he said, Land of the Lost. I said, that's what I'm here for. And then we both wound up getting it and he played Chaka on the show. And I kind of get the, the idea that you guys... You, you obviously played a family on the show. You guys are still pretty close, aren't you? Extremely. Extremely. I spoke to both of them earlier today, oh. but that's like not a special day. That happens all the time. We're in constant contact. And that's that's really kind of special because you don't you don't see that on a lot of, of casts. <laughs> At all. No, it, it's it's definitely. I would not say it's common. Not at all. But lot, I went. I just came back um, a couple of weeks ago from uh, Puerto Vallarta, where I spent two weeks with Wesley down there. Very nice. Yeah. Very nice. And um, I, you know, I've seen you guys interact in other um, interviews. You still kind of have a, a sibling type of relationship. You you pick on each other. You oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. We don't let each other get away with anything, but we adore each other. It's just it's it's just a part of of the whole relationship. 
and and it's it's really kind of refreshing to see people that work together, people that get along and continue to get along and celebrate that time of their life together. It's it, I have said this to him in the just in the recent past. I've told him, you know, yes, we've we've known each other all these years, but it certainly is nice at this stage of the game to to be together still. You know, it's and and I know I've known Wesley. You have to understand my relationship with him when we were on the set was completely different. I was a kid, and even though there's only ten years difference in our age, when you're a kid, that's a major difference. You know what I mean? So oh, yeah. when I was twelve, he was twenty-two, and a twelve-year-old and a twenty-two-year-old really have very little in common. So. My relationship with him was just like a big brother, you know, but we didn't have like, you know, really great conversations where we dug in deep and got to really know each other. Oh, right. But um, so it's, it's evolved and it's turned into a different relationship in my 30s when I was, you know, in the early stages of raising my kids. And, um, and it's just it's evolved into this where we're actually probably closer today than we've ever been. That's, that's, that's great. It, it just, it, it's just so nice to see. And it's going to be very nice to, to see the interaction. Yeah. Well, oh, you'll you know. see it in person. It's, oh yeah. It's there. There's no, there's no pretending. It's just, it's just there. It's what it is. So you mentioned, you know, you were, you were young, you were you know, 11, 12 years old on the set mm-hmm. and you were, you were, Dealing with, you know, things like, like slee stacks, which <laughs> as a child terrified me, <laughs> um, and, and, you know, dinosaurs. And th- was there ever anything that, 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 you know, frightened you or anything that, that kind of stuck with you or was it just all fun on the set? For, for me, it was literally a jungle gym. First of all, I was a gymnast. So any kind of adventure or swinging or climbing or anything like that, bring it on. I loved it. Plus, I had Phil there, who's only a year younger than me. So the two of us found all kinds of mischievous, you know, things to get into. And we were really good friends with the prop master on the show. So he gave us all these gadgets that we could play with. And, (laughs) um, you know, I would come to work and go through the stage door and I'd walk around before I went into makeup or wardrobe or anything and just check out the sets and see how they had moved, repositioned the cameras, the the new props that they had brought in to see like what my day was going to have in store for me. And I would see some pretty amazing things, you know, mm-hmm. this, this wasn't just the interior of like a house on a sitcom, you know what I mean? Right. With moving walls. This was two gigantic uh, stages, sound stages with, um, you know, caves and and jungles <laughs> and a swamp and all. I mean, just all kinds of stuff. It was amazing. Yeah, and you, the the show itself was kind of groundbreaking in that they. We're using the, a blue screen instead of like green screen technology. They use the blue screen. Right. And they would film you guys separate and then shrink you down to fit with dinosaurs. 
Well, they were running film and video at the same time. Um, they combined the two. They would have to slow down the video in order to blend it with the film. <laughs> like, there's one scene where I'm riding a dinosaur, and they had to go, you know, second by second, slowing one down and speeding one up to get it so that it it blended because for me when I was filming that scene I was sitting on it the, the blue screen that you're talking about mm -hmm. is called chroma key okay and I was sitting on a chroma key cylinder a big cylinder that was that made it look like I was sitting on like the back of a of a dinosaur you oh, know wow. yeah um so that's you know and then of course the blue chroma key cylinder wouldn't show up. And so those, that's why I'm saying those two, the film of the dinosaur and the film of me just sitting in midair were <laughs> blended together. And then, you know, I wind up looking like I'm riding a dinosaur. Nice. Well, did, did you ever find it difficult to, to act or react to a dinosaur that wasn't there? I mean, you know, you, you, a lot of times they would have maybe a something for you to react to, but did you ever find it difficult to do that? Well, we had these little discs that um, were also chroma key, and from a d distance you you couldn't see them. But if you were standing on the chroma key floor, you could see that there was a little blue chroma key disc there as well. And so we had the most wonderful stage manager, and he was funny. He loved playing with Phil and I and made us giggle all the time. You know, he would always do funny things, and he'd dance a little bit for Phil and I and make us laugh. And <laughs> he, he would put us on our marks, and then he'd tell all of us, you know, that included, you know, Spencer, Wesley, Phil, if Phil was in the scene, that, say, for instance, a light that was hanging in the corner, you know, um, in the ceiling, he'd say, that's where the dinosaur is coming. So when I say action, you're going to look up there at that light. Everybody look at that one light, scream, react, and then start running to the right. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of it was like that. Okay. <laughs> we had a, a point, a, you know, perspective to look at, and then we'd, React and then take off running. All right. So I know that you had kind of a very distinct appearance. And you had said that your mom would take you to the uh, auditions dressed in, in certain ways. Did you have any, any uh, influence or did your mom have any influence on this distinct look that, that uh, Holly Marshall had with the bangs, the braids, and the red and white checkers, or, you know, the, the, the corduroys and all, everything? Pretty much. Um, and I didn't dress like this for every interview, but for the Land of the Lost interview, my mom had me in. Um, I don't believe it, was, it wasn't it was red and white checks. It was a blue and white checkered shirt mm -hmm. and a pair of blue jeans. But she had my hair in, in braids, and, of course, I had bangs. And... Um, I remember once I got the part, they, they, I went out with my mom and the wardrobe lady and we went shopping for the clothes 
and that she was instructed, the wardrobe lady was instructed to get something very similar to what I wore initially on the interview. So it was my mom who picked out my outfit of what I was going to wear to go on the interview. And my mom had this superstitious um, thought that if you wore an outfit on an interview, no matter how many callbacks you went on, you wear the same thing. (laughs) because they obviously have liked what they've seen so you just keep in that outfit so I did and um, there was actually one one interview I recall um, only because I have a picture of it where we're in the office and Wesley and I are sitting on the carpet and I'm actually not in I'm not dressed like that Um, and but it's a great shot of Wesley and I and it's it's before we ever started working together, you know? Oh, wow. Yeah, it's a really cool shot. Well, and, and obviously, if, if you were in a blue and white checker, the blue would not work with the chroma key. No, as a matter of fact, the, um, the first pair of cords that I, they were Levi cords, the first pair that I had were navy blue. And uh, my, <laughs> and Wesley actually had a, baby blue uh shirt that he wore and so wesley would disappear from the top up (laughs) and i would disappear from the bottom down (laughs) so eventually they put him in a khaki shirt and they put me in uh maroon corduroys yeah so just kind of a trial and error would that didn't work so change it up a little bit you'll notice like in the first I think it's two episodes, maybe. My my pants are blue. <laughs> that's and that's interesting that nobody would pick up on that right away. But it was a new technology, I guess. You know. Oh, but the fans today, oh my gosh, they catch every little flaw, every little like flub up. You know, they catch it all and they point it out to us. We never noticed it. Of course, we were working, and you know, I I didn't even back then. I didn't even. I wasn't hardly able to watch the show very often, you know? Right. Time, periodically, I would sit down and watch it with my family, and that was fun. We, we all got a kick out of that. But I didn't see every single episode um, until, I don't know, this would have been maybe, I don't know, 15, 20 years ago or something. They had a marathon of all of our episodes. Okay. And, uh... My husband and I, we just had it on all day long. So just uh, going in and out of the, the living room, we'd, we'd sit down and catch like an episode or a part of one. And I um, got caught up on a lot of it. Well, and I, I think the uh, back back when it, it originally aired, it was on and you had to watch it when it was on or catch it in a rerun. There was no home video or DVD for it. There was a streaming service like there is now. So right. the oh, fans can I, really that, pour over it now. Was, that was actually, we don't have anything that we look forward to anymore, like shows that only come on once a week, you know. Mm-hmm. We can, you know, we can get we can get it anywhere if we really need it. Um, but that was part of the beauty of the show. The kids were so excited. They couldn't wait till next Saturday, you know. Right, right. You know, it'd be a cliffhanger or, or you know, the a, a continuation of a story that they wanted to see. 
Oh, they just, they loved it. I have heard from these, now, of course, they're adults, my age adults, um, but I have heard some of the most charming stories of sleepovers, you know, slumber parties where kids were so excited on Friday night that Lambs of Loss is going to be coming on in the morning. I've just heard <laughs> terrific stories. Well, speaking about the fans, Land of the Lost has a huge fan base. And it, it, you know, some of them are fans of the show itself, you know, the, the, the premise of the show. Some are fans because it's a Sid and Marty Croft product. Some are fans of the, the actors and actresses that brought these characters to life. What are some of your favorite experiences? Uh, first off, do you, do you enjoy being approached when a fan comes up and says, hey, I know you from Land oh, of the Lost? How do you feel about that? Absolutely. The day that stops will be heartbreaking to me. <laughs> oh, no. Ab- I, absolutely. I, I actually have something to say on that. Is some a husband and wife were on the red carpet, and and uh, they caught this on tape, and, and then they had it on, like, YouTube or something. But the husband was the celebrity, and his wife was just a regular woman. And... Uh, he kind of was like, you know, complaining a little bit as he was walking down the red carpet about the paparazzi wanting him to look here, look there for pictures. And she squeezes his arm and pulls him in close to her. And you hear her say, this too was part of the dream. And I thought, oh my gosh, is she ever 1000% right? Mm-hmm. You know, because it is before you're a celebrity. You would love all the thoughts of, oh, I can't wait to one day sign an autograph for somebody or have somebody recognize me. You know, I never have not liked it. Um, but I just thought that that was a very interesting thing that that woman said to him. This, too, is part of the dream. And it is. It's a dream. It's a dream come true, believe you me. And, uh, you know, like I said, the the stories that we hear from the fans and uh, our approach to it is they come and they give us a ton of energy and we just like take it and just spin it around and give it right back to them. And you will witness this when you see. That is something that... Away laughing, smiling, happy, we're hugging. Everybody enjoys it because, you know, the I had, we had talked about this amongst ourselves. We didn't want to just do that hi, how are you, and what's your name, sign a photo, push it back, next. We didn't want that. That's not fun for us. And I can't imagine, you know, it being much fun for them. So we have done this whole interacting, interaction thing at our booth where they get in the raft. They feel like they've been actually in a scene. (laughs) We We give them dialogue with direction. They have a prop. They have a semi-costume because they wear the life preserver. And they're getting into the raft. And, you know, we all scream at a certain time. And the camera flashes. And they feel like they've actually, because believe you me, that's about it. You know, you you have a prop. You have a costume. You have some lines. And uh, we usually sing the theme song with them. And, you know, it's just... uh, it's fun. It's fun an experience, stuff. yeah. Yeah, and they love it, and we do too. And that's that's something that I think, you know, it, it, an autograph picture is is great. It's a great 
you know, keepsake. But that experience and that memory, that is going the extra mile. And you guys, I've, I've seen, you know, some, some footage of you guys at, at other conventions. You guys really go the extra mile. People and will I'll not tell be disappointed. When they do get a picture, after they have had that experience, there's a memory that supports that picture. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. every time they look at that picture, they will remember the experience that they had. It wasn't just that we put our arm around them and they pointed at us for a, a snapshot. <laughs> they actually had a whole experience with them. So wherever that photo winds up in their house, every time they look at it, they will remember the good time that they had. And that's that's really, you know, like you said, that's that's part of the experience or part of the dream. Is uh-huh. giving back and that's fantastic and i re- i'm looking forward to just witnessing that you know over the weekend you well know, i thought you were gonna say you're looking forward to getting in the raft because you know we'll get you in there i'll be in the raft with you yeah you bet <laughs> you bet i love dinosaurs <laughs> i love land of the lost but slee stacks did scare me and i i understand that there were like some basketball players and some really giant people that played the slee stacks well what they were were these were all college ball players um from like ucla and usc uh they were about they averaged from about six ten up wow. now mind you they were in the boots were about 10 inches tall um the lifts that were inside of them um and then the horn on top. These guys were absolute giants, almost eight feet tall when they were fully costumed. Wow. And they were thin, you know, like skinny hips, you know. So they really gave the appearance of these lizard-type creatures, you know, slee stacks. Mm-hmm. But actually, one of, two of our slee stacks were famous. One much more so than the other. But one of them was... Uh, Bill Lambeer from the Detroit Pistons. Okay. He was a stack. But, you know, back then he was just a young guy in college playing basketball. For, you know, he wasn't a professional, you know, basketball player back then. And he certainly wasn't a bad boy back then. <laughs> He's a bad, he, he grew up to be a bad boy on the, on the courts. Yes, he did. A really bad boy. But <laughs> a really bad boy. I know. I know. I watched that whole Michael Jordan special. He was horrible to him. <laughs> but um, anyway, the other one wound up. Uh, now he's a very successful stock. He's in the stock business. But um, he was on chips for a while. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. But anyway, so. Um, yeah, and people, that's one of their questions that I get asked a gazillion times. Was I ever afraid of them? Because these people say they terrified them. Oh, yeah. Um, and no, I wasn't. I'll tell you why. Between the, the costumes, because the costumes were made out of wetsuit material, like for surfers. Mm-hmm. And we only could keep them fully suited up for about, 30 seconds, maybe sometimes up to a minute, very rarely that long. But between the costume being so hot with the lighting, you know, the big lights above them, um, 
they could only be on uh, fully suited up for brief moments. So the majority of the time on the set, I don't know if you've ever seen like surfers on the side of the road, you know, mm-hmm. loading their surfboards or whatever, and they just have like a white T-shirt on and the wetsuits pulled down to their hips. Sure. Yeah. Well, that's how they walked around the set. Okay. So scary, no, <laughs> didn't scare me much. And they were, um, especially the one that was on chips, his name was John Lambert. He was, I had a crush on him as a little girl. He was the most handsome thing I'd ever seen. <laughs> and uh, he was so nice to me. And uh, anyway, uh, yeah, so no, no fear there. Well, and of course, these were all, you know, the Pakuni, they were all my friends, so no fear of them. Yeah. It's, it's uh, not just anyone can say that their childhood crush was a slea stack. I know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's something that's going to be uniquely you, I think. Yeah, well, <laughs> if I have a picture with him, and it's so funny. I think my the top of my head comes up to his thigh, you know. <laughs> He's just a giant. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is a, you know, I was just a little girl, you know, and he was so handsome. He, you know, like Superman handsome, oh, you know, yeah. that, that kind of handsome. Sure. Yeah. If I could just say one last thing oh, on that crush, sure. nothing, no boy in school, no guy in a stack costume <laughs> ever had my attention like my pony did and my mother had promised me if I ever got a television series that she would buy me a pony and on that seventh call back when they told me that I got the job they set up an appointment for my mom and myself and my agent to come down and sign the contracts and my mom took me out that day that we signed those contracts and she got me my pony you actually got your pony And they even, because I used to talk about him nonstop the whole time I was on the set. Comanche this, Comanche that. And so um, the writers actually wrote in a scene uh, that I got to say his name on in an episode. I got to say, I miss Comanche, you know. So oh, that was really them. That's really sweet. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's and that's, you know, a personal touch that some people may not have, uh, have even known. You know, well, unless they would listen I tell, to a... I tell some, that story sometimes. If we do a panel, I'll mention that. Um, because it was, it, it just taught me a really profound lesson in life, which took place the day that my mom signed the contract and took me that very day to get my pony, was that she stayed true to her word. Mm-hmm. Down to second, almost, you know? Yeah. And um, it's an elite club to belong to, and I am a member of the Stay True to My Word Club. And it's very important. That's sometimes yep. all you have. It's all you got. It's mm-hmm. all you have. Yeah. So I imagine on so, at least some of these uh, callbacks, and probably throughout the duration of the series, it was uh, a Sid and Marty Croft uh, production. Did you get to work with Sid and Marty very directly, or...? Um, they would come on to the set periodically. Um, they're, they're, the majority of their conversations were with the adults. You know, they'd, they'd come by and, like, you know, mess up the top of your head and go, hey, kid, how you doing? You know, <laughs> but, um, 
most most of the time they were either talking to the you know technical people or the adults you know and i i did have to go to school when i was on the set um phil and i both went to school for three hours a day so anytime i wasn't in a scene my teacher was grabbing me and pulling me back into class wow okay yeah. so this is something i've always kind of kind of wondered about you know like the, the child actors and and going to school while they're on set uh-huh. is that difficult to be in a scene have your lines and you'll be memorizing lines be running lines and then all of a sudden you're you know you're learning geography well <laughs> apparently it must have been because when you say did i ever see sid and marty um my memory goes back to getting yelled at by marty croft one time because i came in one morning and because i had that pony mm-hmm. we had to live further out of Hollywood than most people did because I needed to live in a place that was zoned for horses. So we would have to get up really, really early to beat the traffic coming into Hollywood. And so I would land on the set like super early and um, I was exhausted. I'd get home really late and I'd get up really early. And, And when I got home, was when I had to take my shower and study my lines and eat. And um, one time I, I, I just couldn't. I was falling asleep in the bathtub, and I, I couldn't memorize my lines that night. And when I came into work, I, um, I wasn't doing so good with memorization of my lines, and Marty yelled at me. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe not the best, best memory, huh? No, but that's just one. But, yeah. you know, they always saw to it when the season would start, you know, that I had fresh roses in my dressing room and it said our lovely leading lady on the little card or something like that, you know, and that was nice. Yeah, I mean, it, it and like like I said, everything really seemed like it was a good, you know, a, a good connection between everybody that, that you had there. You know, everybody. Oh, without without a doubt. And Spencer Milligan, who played the father, Mm -hmm. was amazing. He he was actually like a father figure to me, and um, was funny and uh, loving and protective of all of us, and uh, just a really. We had a family. That's that's just what it was. We 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 made a a second family out of this. we're still like that. We, we saw Spencer a few years ago, did a show with him, and uh, that was amazing. We hadn't, like, connected with him in a really long time, so that was fun. And, uh, you know, he's, he's in the Midwest, and we're all three out here in California. So, of course, we see more of each other, and, you know, the three of us do more shows together. Sure. Uh, when Phil can, he, he works for a law firm and um, some, a lot of the shows he can't do. So, Right. So but Wesley and I, we, we've been doing a lot of shows and we're, um, we've got our schedule for this year and you guys are our first one to kick it off. So Very nice. Yeah. Very nice. That'll be a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. So, 
you know, eventually, as, as all good things, um, Land of the Lost came to an end. I know. <laughs> and what, what were your feelings on that? And kind of where, where did you go after that? What, 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 where did your career take you? Well, I remember, like, we had our, our rap party. And, uh, and, you know, I was just really enjoying it. And it was fun and everything. And, and then we went home. And I guess I didn't process it all the way through because I was okay and, and I didn't have to go, you know, to work or anything and I could go to the ranch and ride my pony and stuff. But after about a week or two, I was really missing it. Mm-hmm. I was really missing, you know, the show and, and all the people that I saw every day, you know, for, for three years. And, um, and then I started going back out on, on auditions again, and, and I was back in public school. And um, I noticed that a lot of the jobs that I was going out for, 18-year-old girls were on the interviews as well with me. Um, and I was like 5'8 by the time I was 14, 15. You know, I was yeah. at my full adult height. And so... They were able to get 18-year-olds that look 15. So I wasn't working that much, and I, it was really frustrating to me because if they hired me, they had to hire a welfare worker. I was limited on, um, on hours that I could work, whereas if I was 18, they could work me however long hours they wanted. They didn't have to have a welfare worker or a teacher or anything. Okay, yeah. So, uh, it's not profitable for them to hire a 15-year-old when they can get an 18-year-old that looks 15. You know, had I been somebody like a Gary Coleman or somebody like that, that, you know, I think he was 30 and he still looked like he was 12. Uh-huh. You know, I wasn't, that wasn't my case. I actually looked my age. I didn't look young for my age. So anyway, though, I was like, I think I was about three weeks away from turning 18 and I went on this audition for Burger King and uh, they sent us in in groups of four and it was um, the the, uh, hold the pickle, hold the lettuce thing. Okay. Uh, We went in and we sang in groups of four. Well, I got a call back and when I got there, Three of the girls from one of the groups of four were there that I recognized, and then myself. So they plucked me from my group of four, put me in with this other group, and I wound up getting this, a whole string of Burger King commercials with those four girls. We went and recorded the song in a recording studio. And, um, yeah, so that was it. I wasn't 18. Everybody else was like 21, 22, and I was the only one that was still 17. I had to go to school on the set when we were filming the commercials. and <laughs> But i it's amazing that they hired me at 17 and three quarters, you know? Right. Right, when it was such a issue. And then I got married before. after that. You know, t- a little bit of time went by. Yeah. And I got married. And I wound up moving to Fallon, Nevada with my husband and worked on a farm. Okay. And couple kids and uh, I have two boys and spent about five years out there 
and uh, that was quite an experience. <laughs> <laughs> you were you worked on a, a dairy farm, is that right? Yeah, it was a dairy farm yeah. and a hog farm. Oh wow! Well, I've got experience on both of those. <laughs> these these were were fairly large. Um, operations they you know we were producing 20,000 gallons of milk a day and uh, we produced 12,000 hogs a year and they were all like it was like a state-of-the-art ranch but it it's still even though we had a lot of automation you know we had automatic watering for the hogs and and things like that um, it's still a ton of work right (laughs) a ton of work and my father-in-law owned the farm and, uh, you know, when we came up to settle in to work there and live there, he told us, he said, you will get no special privileges. You will learn this business from the bottom of the totem pole up. And we certainly did. Wow. Yeah. Now, you, uh, you have written a couple books about your experiences in life. Uh, yeah, my, I, I first self-published a book called Lost Girl. And that was sort of like a coffee table book. It was like a, a scrapbook, almost. Okay. And uh, that did really well. And then I was approached to write my second book um, by a publisher. And so I uh, wrote that one, and uh, and that one's doing even better. So it won two awards so far. Oh, wow, wow. Yeah. And that one's called Run, Holly, Run? Yes, yes. And, and, so- and Wesley, speaking of that thing that you talked about early in our conversation <laughs> about the competitive brother-sister banter that we do, yeah. he, he, I was so excited to show him my book. I'm like, Wesley, look, my book, it finally came, and I showed it to him. And he goes, well, he said, nothing, everything is... Uh, is the same as always. And I said, what are you talking about? And he says, my name will forever be above yours. <laughs> <laughs> because he wrote a blurb. Mm-hmm. And they put it at the very top of my book. <laughs> and then it says, Ren Holly Run. And then it says, written by, you know, Kathy Coleman. But he loved and rubbed it in my face that he got upper billing than me, you know. <laughs> what one more time, huh? Yeah, yeah. So it's just you know, nothing, nothing's changed on that. And you're gonna. He, he adores me like, like you have no idea like how good he is to me, and um, he is, he's just the best brother anybody could ever wish for. Well, that's you can you can tell that when when you see the interaction and when you you know you hear each other speak, you know, of the other, because uh, Wesley had great things to say about you, and you've returned the favor and said wonderful, wonderful things about him. Well, he always tells me, he says, you know, you and I are from the same, we were cut from the same cloth, but the funniest thing is, over the years, we have, like, become like twins, you know how twins have that thing where they complete each other's sentences? Yeah. We have gotten to the point where we can just look at, at each other and we know exactly which what each uh, the other one wants out of that one, you know? So 
we um we really work well together you know he'll just throw me a look or i'll throw him one and that means that you know this person we got to really do something extra special for you know because they're just like super excited you know so we'll really like you know just show them a great time that and that that's that's really you know special where you don't even have to to say anything Right, right. We just give each other a look, and we know exactly what we're supposed to do. You know, it's funny. Great. Yeah. So, and you're going to bring some books to the uh, to the convention, is that? Uh, yes, I will be. Yes, I will be bringing some books, and I will have them at my table, and I will be autographing them. And yeah. So, it, it won two awards, and I'm very proud of it. It's it's a pull up your big girl underwear to read this book because it's a real ride. Because it it kind of uh, not only talks about your time during Land of the Lost, but kind of your experiences in life as as well. Is that is that right? Yeah, I mean it's it's I, before I wrote it, I I had had this experience while I was growing up of people saying, you know, well, life must have been easy for you being a movie star and all that. And I said, well, first of all, I'm not a movie star until I did the movie Land of the Lost. Then I was a movie star, <laughs> but. But up until then, I was a, I was a TV star, you know. Sure. So anyway, um, my answer to them was no. You know, it's 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 the same as yours in many ways. You know, just because I do this for a living does not mean I still didn't have all the heartaches and things that every teenager had. You know, and um, so I thought, you know, when I got older, I thought, you know what. I want to write a book about my life and and open it up to people. And if, if by sharing my story, I can help someone to feel like, wow, I didn't realize that that happened to you. That happened to me, too. And all of a sudden make them feel better about themselves because they're not alone. Um, I wanted to do that. And that's what I did. And I've had a lot of people come up to me and say, I loved your book. It, it There were so, so many things that we have in common. And um, and I can tell that it, it just makes them feel good that, you know, somebody that they thought that would never have the same problems that they had, they're, they're identical. We all have them. Right. <laughs> you know, we're, we're 99% the same except for 1%, and that's just our personality. Well, and there there was a uh, a statement that you had made about the you know, about the books and what what kind of the contents of the books and and the the, uh, the 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 activities and experiences of your life. And I really kind of like this this quote that you said. You said there were lessons to be learned. Some mm-hmm. of them were incredibly difficult, but eventually mm-hmm. I learned them, and I'm okay. Yeah, and I am. So, I am. They were. They were. You know the lessons that I needed to learn, and and uh, hopefully, if if I come back to this planet again someday, I won't have to repeat those ones. <laughs> yeah, because I think I ate them this time around. Yeah, but it, some it of them I must have really had a hard time, you know, in a previous life with. Because boy, did I ever get my rear end kicked by these lessons this time around. So. I um I learned them well this time and uh, don't want to be repeating those ever again. Right. Well, you know. But you know what? On that same note, if I could say, oh please. Yes, I have had 
you know, hard times in my life like anybody. But I've also, I am extremely grateful for everything that I have had in my life. I have beautiful children that I adore. Um, I have fabulous friends. And I've had incredible experiences. And, and I've experienced a ton of joy in my life. And, um, and I'm, I'm grateful that I have gratitude. <laughs> And, and that's a, you know, that's a good, good uh, lesson to learn that, you know, be grateful for everything. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So I, um, I, I'm a pretty happy person, you know, the majority of the time I'm pretty good to go. So fans, uh, if you're coming out, you're listening to this to Grand Comic Fest 5, April 21st through 23rd. Be sure that come, you come, uh, come meet us. You'll have yeah. a blast. Be sure to stop out and pick up pick up uh, one of one of Kathy's books because I'm going to tell you just what I've seen about you know the, the kind of what's in there. It's going to be a great read. There's going to be you know good lessons in there, and you know you'll get to know more. You'll get to oh, learn. Oh, and more. there's funny stories in there too. There's funny stuff in there too. Yeah. Just a, a great life, you know, life lived is what it sounds like. Just a, a, a full life. If you had one thing that you could tell to your, your fans, to anyone that is maybe aspiring to be in show business, just something you wanted to say to, to people who are listening, what would you like to kind of, of, you know, close with? What would you like to wrap up with talking about your, your career, your experiences or advice? Well, I guess what I would say is that this business is everything. It is heartache. It is joy. It is, there's moments where you're so proud of yourself, and then there's moments where you're so disappointed in yourself. And it's, (laughs) it can be a rough, rough business to be in because it's a personal you feel at times that it's a personal attack on you if you don't land a job or or somehow you just didn't get that. But what I have learned is, and that's that Run Joe Run story, you know, mm-hmm. um, God works in mysterious ways and you don't get certain things in life for a reason. And, um, you know, I got Land of the Lost and, and I, I am so grateful that I got that show and, uh, and it's, you know, it's a lot of work. It, you know, being in show business isn't a piece of cake, trust me. And you have to like extra, extra take care of yourself. You know, you, you can't be popping ho-hos all the time and, you know, eating bags of chips and you have to watch your weight and because the TV screen does put on 10, they say 10 pounds. I would say it's more like 15 to 20 but um, yeah, and it's it's uh, it's it's a fun job. You just have to have a bit of a thick skin, and uh, you know it, it's like any other job, though. You know, all jobs have their fun parts and 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 their not so fun parts. But um, for me, like I said, you know, to you earlier, I was the kid that couldn't sit still in front of the TV set. I wanted to be like them. I was, you know, jumping all over the place and. And I love talking to the adults and the, the beauty salon and, and all that. And so it was a fit for me. And uh, so, 
just uh yeah you know, you can always you know you can always have something to fall back on i think is a good idea if you if you want to try this industry um but i would always encourage somebody to at least give it a, a try you never know yeah you never know and and it sounds like you were you know whether it was a, a childhood dream or or not you were born to do this you you had the personality well, I'm so happy that my mother could see that and and you know steered me in that direction yeah and and was like sweet enough to you know take a big chunk of her life and spend it on sets with me and you know it was it was wonderful i got just i got to really spend some quality time with my mother that's that's a really special thing when you can share that experience yeah Yeah, we traveled all those you know those two years in the band that was just my mom and I going from state to state and performing with all these like people that were more so her generation like you know Bob Hope and Burt Bacharach and Joel Gray which I told you I performed in Omaha with him yes and uh you know, uh, gosh, gosh, just a, a ton of people that I performed with. And, uh, you know, so she really enjoyed that. And, you know, then being on the set with, you know, Land of the Lost and all the people there, everyone was really nice to my mom, and she, she enjoyed it. So I'm glad I got to, you know, I don't have my mom anymore, but I'm glad I have those memories that she and I shared and that is what is important is making these memories. Oh, and without a doubt. Without a doubt. So if you're listening to this and you're in the area, come out and make some memories and meet Kathy, meet Wesley from Land of the Lost at Grand Comic Fest 5, April 21st through 23rd. So, and I yeah, did tell you, yeah, I was. I can't wait to come and I can't wait to meet everybody. I'm really excited. Yeah, it's it's gonna be a great time. And I did tell you I'd find out where you where you performed at in Omaha. Oh, where was it? You were most likely at the Exarban Coliseum, which was a horse racing track in Omaha that put on uh-huh. big shows for their, their boosters and their members. But did they did they have an in because this was where I was and I remember this. There was it was in an indoor theater mm-hmm. and that theater held eight thousand people because it was the biggest the uh biggest show we'd ever done and that sounds about right for what for where you were and i remember you saying that you you, when you were driving from the airport you saw cows and and snow yes (laughs) yes so that's about right because that area would have been you know in that in that time period it wasn't as as grown up and developed and uh, it, that's about right where you would have been. So the Exarban Coliseum. It was wow. your, your first time years ago. Wow, that's incredible. Yeah. And I was only 10. Now, 50 years later, I'm coming back. That's so crazy. And we're happy to have you back. Yeah. I'm really I looking forward to it. So, um, yeah, come out and uh, and. Get your photos, get your autographs, and make some memories. So, and I want yeah. to thank you for your time, Kathy. This was this My, was a great great conversation. Thank, thank you for thank you for this interview. You did a fabulous job. Well, thank you. It's really easy and comfortable. So I appreciate that, and I look forward to meeting you 
and uh, all the folks out there. So I will see you guys. The countdown begins. I will see you in about five weeks. Sounds great. We'll see you in about five weeks. All righty, hon. You have a wonderful evening, and we'll talk again. Sounds great. All right. Thank you so much. Okay, honey. Bye-bye. Bye. Do you like to binge watch TV? Did you know you could binge listen to podcasts? Head over to electronicmediacollective.com where they have podcasts for days. You like podcasts about wrestling? They have that. Do you like podcasts about TV and film? They have that. Do you like podcasts about horror? EMC has that too. Do you like comedy? Do you like books? Guess what? They've got you covered. Head over to electronicmediacollective.com Pick your favorite podcast today.